today's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his gracious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning, Angelinos, and all visitors from all points east. Uh, Angelinos are coming off of two world championships, so we're feeling pretty good about that. But we know that we're also moving into a week that will most certainly highlight again uh, the ugliness, the anger, the hostile, ugly vitriol and divide in our country. And I believe this morning is all the more timely as we examine what does a caring community look like. Uh, This is our eighth and last final installment of our fall series, which we've entitled For One Another. And it's all about a community that does love each other well. And we get the main thrust of the idea from Jesus himself, John 13, where he says, other people will know that you follow me when they see, when they witness um, you loving each other. And so uh, just as a brief recap, we looked at um, different things, different disciplines, different aspects and attributes that a caring community possesses. And we did this alongside of Ed Welch's book, Caring for One Another. But week one, we looked at uh, a, a caring community is humble. It has humility in that uh, yes, they will serve in humble ways, but the first work was being needy and being served by Jesus and others. A very difficult aspect of a caring community. Uh, week two, initiation. Uh, a caring community initiates towards one another. Uh, week three, a uh, caring community is curious about the heart, about the deep inner workings of each other. Week four, uh, a caring community knows about what is pressing and influencing our friends and the people around us. Week five, a caring community prays for one another. 
with and for each other. Week six, a caring community always will talk about suffering because all of us suffer this side of the new city. Uh, Week seven, last week, we talked about how a caring community is always talking about sin uh, because it will lead us to the one who saves us from our own sin. So this week, we land on this. It's our very last one. And we want to talk about how a caring community trusts that God's power will transform the broken, the powerless, and the ordinary. So all of these very ordinary things we do, uh, it'll take God himself to empower those seven things that we talked about. We're going to put our our trust in God's power, not the seven things. So when we went through those uh, other seven qualities of a caring community, I don't think for many of you it was very earth-shattering or profound-sounding or even novel or new. In many ways, they were very ordinary. Very ordinary. And so this week, we're going to talk about how, how only the power of God, only God doing something through the ordinary will make a caring community. Uh, So in this final segment of our series, I want us to entrust ourselves to the power of God all over again in seemingly insignificant, everyday, ordinary activities. I I want us to see that the power of God will make for a loving community. It's not so much us concentrating and working on loving each other as it is understanding the love of God and its incredible power. So we're turning to Ephesians this morning uh, to understand this. And and why would we turn to Ephesians to understand this? In, In verse 18, it was read for us this morning, in Paul's letter to this little church plant in Ephesus, uh, in verse 18, he says this, I'm praying, and he's talking about the believers there, I'm praying that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Quick paraphrase. Uh, Paul's saying this. I want you to know just exactly what it is and what is the hope that he's called you to. And then I'm praying that you know, like, what do I own? Like, what do I get in following Jesus? What do I have now? in following Jesus. So he's saying that in verse 18. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, I'm praying that you know, and this is a an amazing phrase, I'm praying that you know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So there's another translation, and he basically is saying, I'm praying that you know his incomparably great power for those who believe. For those who believe. So as pastors do, I'm reading a commentary on this. And one particular writer uh, said this about this phrase in verse 19. He said, Paul is being grammatically excessive here. Okay? And what he meant by that is there's that, that word immeasurable or incomparably. He's, it's, it's, it's the Greek word, uh, hyperbolon. That's incomparable. And, you know, where we might get hyperbole from. So the Greek word is hyperbolon. And then he says, I want you to know the immeasurable greatness. And that Greek word is megathos, where we get 
the word mega, meaning great, the bigness and greatness of it. Uh, and then he talks about God's power, and the Greek word is there is dunamis, and we get the word dynamite from. So, hyperbolon, megathos, dunamis, uh, hyper-mega-dynamite. Hyper-mega-dynamite power. And it seems a little overkill. Seems a little over the top. Uh, We might even call Paul very expressive here. Uh, Why is is Paul um, grammatically excessive and expressive here? So Paul doesn't want this to be some dusty little abstract, some little theological trivia category that we tuck away in our minds as a community. He doesn't want that. All right, He's praying that we know that his power is for us and that we have it. We have this hyper-mega-dynamite power. And that sounds a little melodramatic to you this morning. It may even sound like a little overboard a little uh, to you this morning because you might even feel weak. You might feel pretty tired, actually, and you have the case of the blahs, right? And that's the opposite of hyper-mega dynamite. So what we want to talk about this morning is, okay, what kind of power are we talking about? Show me some power because I, I'm not feeling hyper-mega dynamite. Um, two, I, 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 we want to look at how does this power make a community care for one another uh, here at The Way. So what, are, what kind of power are we talking about? What kind of power are we talking about? Uh, now, most of you this morning, if you're watching this, um, you've probably put some sort of trust into Jesus. Uh, and you are probably currently following him. In some capacity, you're, you're learning from Jesus how to live. And now, if that's the case, if most of you, if that applies to most of you, I, I, your belief, your very belief came about by his hyper mega dynamite power. So Paul says this, this is his phrasing. He says, um, those of us who believe according to the work of his mighty strength. Those of us who believe, and that belief is according to the working of his mighty strength, his hyper-mega-dynamite. So if you believe the whole kit and caboodle, right, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and your life is hidden in his righteousness, and it's not your own works, it is only because of his hyper-mega-dynamite power. Now you might say, meh, meh, meh. Uh, let me, let me, the power it took for you to believe is the exact same power it takes to raise somebody from the dead. Okay, this is around Halloween. I know it was last night. Um, what is the power that it takes to reanimate the dead? especially in popular conception. Well, what do you need? You need electrical rods extending to the sky. And what you're doing is you're waiting for the lightning storm. And then you tap into the entire electrical grid of the metropolis. And then at the right moment, the lightning hits all the rods and you tap into the electrical grid and it goes out, all the lights go out over the basin. And 
it runs down all the poles and it hits the electrical leads that are stuck into the corpse. Right? And then at the right time, all these megawatts of power. What happens? The corpse comes up from the table. Okay. Even in popular conception, there is some recognition that if life is going to happen, there is going to be a massive, external, animating, originating power. Paul says this, it took the power of the resurrection to get you to even believe it. Uh, He says elsewhere, Romans 3, look, no one seeks God. No, not one. Not one. Not one. Uh, Jesus says in John 6, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. So Romans 3 is not talking about religious people. It's not saying, oh, well, religious people are the ones who seek me. Um, uh, no, no, look, when, when religious people find Jesus, what, what happened? Well, I'm going to pray faithfully. I'm going to be careful to think about my actions from here on. I'm going to be careful to give in the right areas at the right time. I'm going to avoid the really despicable sins. I'm going to be a team player. I'm going to live in community. And then, after I've done those things, God is going to Amazon deliver the life I deserve to my front step. He's going to do his part. All right? That's not pursuing him. That's not seeking him. That's not chasing after God. That's your Amazon clicky God, right? You are on the throne clicking your wishes into fruition. So do you want test or proof that no one seeks God? Um, uh, Here's your proof. Let's say you're super good, okay? And you're really conscientious and you're careful and you're kind to a lot of people. And then he doesn't deliver the packaged life you clicked on. What do you do? What do you do? You cancel him. <laughs> you fire God. <laughs> you cancel your membership to the clicky God who did not perform according to your liking. Uh, let's keep it real. I have talked to hundreds of people in my ministry. And they say things like, I- I'm so mad at God. I think I've lost my faith. I don't even believe this anymore. I don't even think he's real. I did everything that was expected of me, and he messed up my life. I'm through with God. I'm done. Yafayad. See, religiosity doesn't draw you close to Jesus. It draws you to the Amazon clicky God of yourself. No one can come unless the Father draws him. It takes the hyper-mega dynamite power of God to seek the God who exists. No one seeks him. No, not one. It takes the hyper-mega dynamite power to seek God. No one can come to him unless the Father draws him. So, if you trust him, 
If you treasure him in any way, if you believe in his work in any way this morning, and not your own work, his hyper-mega-dynamite power enlivened you, enabled your heart to see it, to receive it, You've got to see that your faith, your trust, didn't come from your power. It came from the hyper-mega-dynamite power of God. It's how dead you were. You were a corpse. So I would say this. Don't take that from Him. Don't steal His glory by thinking that you were the one who figured it all out. Paul seems to think this, and Jesus does too. It took the power of the resurrection to even get you to believe. So let me show you some more hyper-mega-dynamite power. What kind of power are we talking about? This is uh, verse 13 and 14 in Ephesians 1. And Paul says this, um, and, and, and having believed in him, we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit in your life now is a down payment for the fullness that is yet to happen. Um, so why is why is this kind of future looking? We're going to give you the Holy Spirit now, but redemption happens down the line. Because someone could say, you know, I thought Jesus took care of everything on the cross. Well, uh, we are definitely redeemed from the penalties of sin. Like we have received the king's pardon, full king's pardon. Uh, we don't live in, under any condemnation, not, not one bit. But you know this uh, because you're living in 2020, the year of the traveling tragedies. Um, you know this. The effects of sin are very much with us. <laughs> we believe. <laughs> we believe that part. Okay? The Holy Spirit is a down payment for a fuller thing that will happen in the future. Now, um, Mere Christianity was a very formative book for me. Um, you all know I love C.S. Lewis. I love his writings. Uh Mere Christianity was was reasoned, it was logical, it was very plain spoken about deep theological thoughts without being hoity-toity and purposely using technical language that was meant to keep outsiders out and the untrained masses out. No, no. Um, he, he made it accessible. Uh, but I, I'm a lover of art. I'm a lover of beauty. I'm a lover of words and imagery. And I found that Lewis um, also appealed to beauty. He was one of the first Christian writers that I was exposed to that that also touched my affections in his logic, in his reason. So, so listen to what he says when he is speaking about the hyper-mega-dynamite power that is pulling us to this incredible, beautiful transformation and redemption at the end of days. He says this, uh, God will make the feeblest 
and filthiest of us into a god or goddess. A dazzling, radiant, immortal creature pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine. A bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though of course on a smaller scale. His own boundless power and delight and goodness. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we're in for. Nothing less. He meant what he said. Beautiful passage. That future hyper-mega-dynamite power is going to wipe you clean and make us brilliant. Now, you and I, we haven't been able to do that to ourselves. Not to our strategies. Not to our current plans. And you have that power with you now in the Holy Spirit. Now this morning we have to keep it real and say, okay, I don't feel that. But what are the implications if it is true that right now you possess by the Holy Spirit the hyper-mega-dynamite power of God? Here's an implication. It means you should give up your small, puny, tiny ambitions. Right? Whatever you're chasing that's not God and His brilliant designs, uh, let me just tell you, you are settling. You're settling for ashes. Whatever's not God, you're trying to make coffee by pouring hot water over ashes from the bobcat fire. This is what it means. We make our ambitions larger to match the power that is in you. Um, You don't need his hyper-mega-dynamite power for your dreams. You can do that all by your dang self. What we have, and we have the Holy Spirit as the hyper-mega-dynamite power of God in us. And if it's, and if he is the down payment for what he's pulling towards, then we change our ambitions to match the great ambitions that Lewis talked about. Okay. A final question. Uh, How does his power make a community care for one another? Especially here at the way. How do we know that his hyper-mega-dynamite power is for us in Southern California in the firestorm that is 2020? So Paul has two real prayers in his letter to the Ephesians. And they're prayers for, for people who follow Jesus, Christians. 
And this is one that we've touched on in chapter one. Uh, there's another prayer that he has in chapter three. And in essence, he's saying this, I pray that you would be strengthened. So have power. I, I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner being and that you would have the power to grasp the wideness, the length, the ceiling, the height, the depth um, of the love of Christ. So Paul says this in Ephesians 3. I'm praying that you have enough hyper-mega-dynamite power to get the massive 3D all-enveloping nature of God's love in Jesus. Some of you might like this. This is pretty fascinating. Paul is saying this. I want you to have hyper-mega-dynamite power to figure out the love of God. Now, he doesn't say this. You're going to get this power, this hyper-mega-dynamite power, by studying and reflecting and taking apart his power. Like, you're not going to get the power by reflecting on his power. So, what brings the power? According to Paul, what brings power into your ordinary life? This Paul seems to think it's this. By meditating on, by reflecting on, by wondering upon, by gazing on, by marveling on, over by considering, by trying to figure out the dimensions of what is the 3D, massive, all-enveloping love in Jesus. Um, the power is looking at his love, the greatness of his love. That, that, that's how you get the power. Paul says this in Corinthians. He says it in a different place. He says, you know, the message, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. And, and he says, but to those being saved, right? To those being saved, it's the power of God. And then he says this, Christ crucified is the power and the wisdom of God. Now, now, why is that? There's this, there, there has to be some strange relationship um, uh, to the ugliness of the cross, the foolishness of the cross, and God's power. Because there has to be some relationship there. Now, when we look at the cross, um, at first blush, we don't see power, right? We see weird, bloody losing. Especially if you're new to Christianity, uh, uh, the, the cross uh, is a strange symbol of victory, right? Uh, we see someone who can't even shout back against those who are shouting accusations up. Why? Because when you're on a cross, you're being suffocated. You can't even, you, you can't shout anything. We see someone squirming around on Roman nails, and it's definitely not a world championship. It's this weird trophy to grotesque failing. Okay? Uh, but Paul says, um, to those being saved, it's the power of God. Now, in Jesus' case, there is a strange aspect to it. It's a voluntary aspect. And we see that Jesus put himself there. Um, you do not take my life. I give it, he says. Uh, in Matthew 26, so they're in the garden, and they, the Sanhedrin 
has come to get Jesus, and Peter pulls out his sword, lops off the ear. And what is what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, "Put away your sword." If I wanted to, I could call on my father for twelve legions of angels to roll up in here. Okay, now when you think of angels, please don't think of these these little cute cherub precious moment angels that we put in glass cases or your grandmother has a whole menagerie of please don't think of that whenever you, whenever an angel shows up in the scriptures like people are scrambling they either hit the floor or they're running okay and Jesus says a minimum a Roman legion is anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 uh, soldiers so Jesus is saying minimum 36,000 horrifying, powerful spiritual beings could roll up in here and tear this place from blade to blade. All right? He has the nuclear option at his fingertips. So, why does he give his life? Right? Why does why does he squirm on Roman nails? Powerless. Why does he do it? For deep love. He could have flexed. He could have been like, I'm going to make you recognize the I'm gonna make you see the power that I have no 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 the power was given up to love us so that his power would not destroy us his power would have destroyed us but he gave it up so that it wouldn't so we first see the cross as this weirdly pitiful horror freak show and we see weakness upon weakness. We see the anti-championship. But Paul says this, For those being saved, it is the hyper-mega-dynamite power of God to love them. See, that that is how a caring community finds the power to love. It's not by exerting more power into the loving, right? It's not those seven great disciplines and attributes of a loving community. We're not going to put more and more power to focus on humility and initiation and curiosity and praying and and talking about suffering and talking about... No, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to gaze again. This is why we are a Jesus-centric, a Jesus-exalting, Jesus-talking-about, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is why we don't shut up about Jesus in a community like this, is because we're going to gaze again and again at the weakness that voluntarily was chosen because of love. Uh, this, and only this love, is going to empower us to love one another. Only the power of God that gave up his power will move us and move in our ordinariness. Right? Our darkness, our weakness, our everyday, our routine, our rote, our mundane. Only the power of God in his love will empower this community. That's what a caring community does when their Amazon clicky gods have not delivered the packages of their dreams, right? They know, they can know that this kind of powerful love is for them. They can know for sure. And that power, that hyper-mega-dynamite power will transform the ordinary, the broken, 
and the powerless. We believe it as we gaze again at the love of God in Jesus. That's what we do. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for what you've done in and among our community by your spirit, by your hyper-mega-dynamite power. We ask that love is multiplied among us for each other as we trust, as we believe, as we rest in your great, great, hyper-mega-dynamite power. Work in us. Oh, work in us that we may be a community that looks more and more like your heavenly community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.